You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well hey there everybody, it's me Joe Thrash and Kill You're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show I'm joined today by the good and golden boy You know him, you love him Sometimes we call him 365 Days of Horror But most of the time we just call him Jordan Jordan, how are you? I am good. Happy Mother's Day to you, Joe. To all of our mothers out there. Uh, I mean, our our listeners is like entirely schlubby dudes, right? No, we have lots of different people that listen to us all over the world of different shapes and sizes and distinctions and demographics. So there are mothers out there. Okay. Well, in that case, to all of them, a happy Mother's Day. You you birthed this website and this podcast, so technically you are the mother of Toilet of Hell. Yeah, I mean, and downstairs it's been a mess ever since. You just can't get it back. Uh, anyway. Uh, That's what that whistling sound is when we record. Exactly, exactly. Um, we got we got a lot of things uh, that we're going to do on this show. Well, actually, that's not true. We got one thing specifically we're going to do on the show. But before we get into it, this very special themed episode, I wanted to ask, how are you doing? I am good. We just recently recorded our bonus podcast episode just a few days ago. We are once again doing our fantasy label ball, doing prosthetic records, going through the second half of their massive artist section and deciding who should stay, who should go, why hasn't this band put out any music in 10 years, why are they still on this list? Yeah, um, we we really, uh, out of all of the, the record labels that we've gone in on, I would say that Prosthetic is the one that needed the most help. So uh, you can, uh, I'm editing the show right now, uh, you can get it on our Patreon uh, patreon.com slash total hell real soon as soon as I'm done editing it but man what a fucking what a fucking mess <laughs> just so many bands and credit to them like it's cool that they want to give a chance to some bands that other labels probably wouldn't but sometimes you have to say no and sometimes you have to edit your website and get rid of some of these bands that are no longer existing and, um, you know, sometimes don't give side projects the time of day either. It's okay to say no. Yeah, it's okay to say no. And we say no a whole lot on that episode. So uh, that's that's a fun time for all, I promise you. Yeah, uh, we, we tell a few good stories about some of the bands involved, too. That's a little way to entice you to sign up for it. Oh, yeah. We got uh, inside dirt all over. So, uh, you know, get the, get the scuttle butt straight from the source. Sounds gross, uh, but over over at the Patreon, is there anything else you wanted to share with the with the class here before we get into it? Another important thing to tell people is that we're making T-shirts again. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, I have uh, there's a printing shop in Austin uh, that like most of my shirts came from these guys. They print great shit, and they uh, we're gonna be doing a limited run fifty shirt. Uh, release with these guys uh, and I will have order information available as soon as I got it. Uh, I've got a very cool artist working on our design at the moment too. So uh, nice shirts uh, for nice people. Uh, very limited. Uh, very cheap. We're going to do this as cheap as possible too. So uh, all those things we like. Uh, look forward to it. And if if these sell well, we'll make more shirts. We'll make other gear. Perhaps some moshing shirts. 
or some booty shorts or something fun, lots of different stuff, patches, stickers, who knows. But uh, I think Patreon subscribers get first crack at these shirts. Yeah. So another incentive to sign up. Yeah, I'm probably going to give our Patreon guys like a couple of bucks uh, discount on this too. I just got to figure out how this all works. Uh, but regardless, the Patreon, they're our number one fans. Uh, they give us money, so they get they get first crack. Uh, so, hey, if that's appealing to you as well, you know where you can go? <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash All right, on with the show. Let's do this. We got You had a an idea for a show uh, specifically that uh, you've been working on for weeks now. Uh, and it's time for this to bear fruition for all. What is this idea? It's true. I am the idea man of this podcast. I'm like the Madison Avenue type. I got my suit on. I'm like, how can we sell deodorant to women? He's constantly Let's blasting, this. blasting cigs and drinking scotch in the office. So this idea that we're doing, and we need a break from metal news because eh, not all that much happening or stuff we don't really want to talk about. So one of these things, uh, the idea that I had for that I think is going to be a lot of fun is going back and looking at some well-known bands early beginnings like their first album or their demo tapes or even the bands prior to becoming their bigger bands listening to those old songs and then comparing it to how they sound now and just kind of talking about the changes whether it was improvements made things worse if it led to some success to no success and it's kind of fun just to go back and see how bands evolved and to also introduce some people into some sounds of their favorite bands that they might not know had existed at some point. And one of the best resources for this is YouTube, actually. You're not going to find a lot of the older stuff on your usual streaming stuff. YouTube is an incredible resource for this sort of thing. And if you ever just want to dig into some bands, just search their name and look up Demo or uh, attach their names to the early years of when they started playing because you can get all sorts of fun stuff. With some of these, especially, it was it was fun to go to YouTube, watch the video, and realize that like you and 193 other people were interested in this. Like this is not this is not widely known stuff for some of these bands. Um, yeah, I mean, some of this stuff really is. Someone had a cassette tape that the band handed them in 1993, and they were able to digitize it and put it up on YouTube and in some cases only a couple hundred people have listened to it or just uh, you know even musically it's the same members and the, they even play some of the same songs but you can hear some little differences like we're not going to get into it but a good example is System of a Down some of their early demos are on YouTube and you could hear the same songs on their first self-titled album but there are differences, whether it's speed or style or tone or even vocals. It's just kind of a fun time capsule to go back and listen to. It is. And I'm not sure how this idea uh, germinated for you. Like, I know that in, in our DMs, we were talking about uh, early new metal demos uh, like uh, Korn with like, what is it? Niedermeyer's Dream or something like that. And uh, shit, who else were we? Who else were we looking at? Oh, one of the ones that I always like to bring up is uh, Linkin Park when they used to be called Zero. Zero with an X because it was a very extreme time back then. <laughs> um, and this was this was the band. Uh, it's it's mostly the same members except 
instead of Chester on vocals, they had a different vocalist doing. It's not even like I guess it's singing. It's kind of singing. It's more. I guess cleaner vocals or non-rapping vocals that uh, Mike Shinoda was doing. Right. So you've got Mike Shinoda sounding exactly like he does on the the well-known releases, uh, and then you've got this Mark Wake, Mark Wakefield character who presents a counterbalance that is kind of kind of like beige, kind of you know not really sticking out whatsoever. Uh, so you know uh, what happened is uh, you know they released this as zero they have differences with this vocalist uh and then the rest is history this became like a multi-platinum selling band and uh, the original uh, other vocalist mark wakefield went on to uh manage taproot <laughs> so i feel like uh he really got the short end of the stick here what do you think unless he was robbing taproot completely blind when they had their minor success um yeah probably a mistake but I mean, I guess who knows what else was going on with the band at the time, but they were originally called Super Zero and then became Zero, put out this demo tape that not a lot of people have listened to, more than other ones, but it's out there on YouTube. You can listen to it, and they have some of the same songs that would later show up on Hybrid Theory, but you can kind of listen to how the band started and evolved and changed and like what a massive difference, including Chester, was just to their sound, like the sound that people know. You know, if they stuck with this sort of thing, this style of not quite singing, the not higher pitched, almost nasally Chester voice, you probably wouldn't have ever heard of them. Probably not, I would say. Um, It is worth noting that this kind of came about as a boy band type scenario and that uh, label suit uh, knew uh, these guys was trying to work with them and was like, hey, how about this other fella in uh, Arizona or whatever? We'll get him over here to uh, to play with y'all. <laughs> uh, it's one of those times where a label did the right thing by putting this together. Yes. So uh, let's let's listen to a little bit of uh, Zero here, see what the early days sounded like. go zero or zero x zero you know we we didn't get a lot of direction back in the the 90s as to how we were supposed to pronounce extreme things we don't really get that nowadays either we're always just like is this how you pronounce it is that how you pronounce it and we just kind of have to hope that the band does an interview where they pronounce it (laughs) um you know before we get out of the the new metal era there's another band uh, that that we, we talk about occasionally. I think it would be fun to get into. Uh, another another band with a uh, a comical uh, extreme misspelling. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? You were talking about the reason why we're having this show, basically. <laughs> uh, I have wanted to show this to so many people all the time, and this is the excuse to do it. And you were talking about the band Dredge. Dredge. Uh, I first heard Dredge in probably 2005. Uh, in I, I was in college. I was taking a 
a history of rock and roll class and on one of the like lab days like we everybody brought in a song that they liked so we could talk about it and somebody brought in dread and that was uh i enjoy i enjoyed hearing it at the time uh, when did you first get into dread well i think a lot of people probably came across this band at the same time it was the album was catch without arms and the song in particular was bug eyes which is very pretty I guess indie emo indie rock you know type what? song. Let's go ahead and listen to just a little bit of Bug Eyes right now just so people can understand what we're talking about. Yeah, so I mean, uh, that kind of feels of the era, you know, of the uh, sensitive boy rock and roll stuff. But what did they start out as? They started out new metal as fuck, which would explain why they spell their name the way they do. Now, when you say new metal as fuck, how new metal are we talking about? Wrapping the words supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I'm glad you said that because that was right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> it's just so funny. And it's so like of the time when they did it that when later on they got more popular with doing what more people are familiar with, I always like to go back and be like, man, I know how you started. Don't try to fake it. I know what you were. <laughs> And the song in particular we're talking about, and we'll play in just a second, is, again, no one told us how to pronounce these things, so, Nugum? I think it's supposed to be Nugum, but, like, because they were misspelling things, because it was extreme to misspell things back then. N-U-G-H-M, Num, but I I see it as Nuffum. <laughs> I've always read it as Nugum. Nugum is good too. So let's let's listen to a little bit of that that new metal bounce with Nugum. Yeah, it is it is a total shame. Uh it sounds like Dredge followed the same path as Deftones and Incubus, but they did not get the same flowers as those bands got. I guess they weren't sexy enough. Where people need to fawn over Brandon from Incubus not wearing his shirt or insisting that Chino is sexy when they never talk about when he gained a lot of weight and just wore hoodies all the time. Yeah. She's like, oh, oh, Chino's so sexy. Oh, yeah, where were you during Team Sleep? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I get it with the uh, the Incubus guy. That's a handsome man or whatever. I do not understand uh, the 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 appeal that Deftones has to so many horny people. I just, I don't get it. Never have, never will. I guess he's got that smooth, sexy voice and talking about uh, the water getting warm and such. Whereas with Incubus, it was good looking guy who cut his dreadlocks, by the way. That's when they found their success. They switched DJs, so it was less of the wiki-wiki stuff and more of the ear candy. 
And uh, yeah, he just stopped wearing a shirt and people started fanning themselves. Yeah. If you're a white guy with dreads listening to this, I would recommend cutting your dreads off too. And maybe you'll have the same success that Brandon had. <laughs> it's worth it, it, Incubus is another example of one of these bands because they were like funk metal when they first started. Yeah, I, I remember it pretty well. Uh, they had put out like a... Um, uh, early days rarities collection shortly after the their their sudden mainstream success and I think that for the most part people are like this sucks <laughs> there's a reason why it wasn't popular and it's a reason why you are popular now you made the changes you someone got to you and said this is what your image is gonna be and uh, it was a massive success for them they would not be around if they were still doing what they used to do that's for sure that's that's true uh, so you know um, Is Dredge still around? Kind of. I think so, sort of. Um, I I, I get confused now because it's been so long. Things come back. Things, you know, reform. In that same class, I heard Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum for the first time. And according to Twitter, those guys are working on a comeback right now. So uh, things are all cyclical, uh, cyclical and circular, I would say. Yeah, it's cyclical, and also a lot of these bigger festivals are trying to cash in on nostalgia of 20 years ago, now that we're older, don't go to shows as much, and have more disposable income. So you're going to get a lot more of these, oh, these guys are back, they tour, they probably put out a new album, tour again, and then kind of fade away once again. Essentially. So uh, are they around? Maybe, maybe not. But you'll get a chance if you really care to see them, I think. Um, here is another band that, uh, you know, it's the cyclical nature of time. You can see them now for the first time in a very long time. Uh, Panteras. Have you ever heard of the Panteras? I have heard the Panteras. So, I mean, this is well-trod ground. I think everybody knows that Pantera uh, used to be a glam metal band, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not uh, breaking anybody's illusions here, right? Everyone knows by now, and there's sections of people that much prefer listening to the glam stuff than the more popular, uh, higher new level aggression, headbutt someone at the bar, Pantera, that we all know. Yeah, I, I've definitely turned the page on this. I, I appreciate uh, the the early uh, spandex Pantera much more than the uh, chain wallet uh, Pantera. That's that's where my where my preferences lie, but I would like to suggest that maybe things aren't so wildly different than you know than, than we suggest from going from glam to groove metal. Let's start with uh, a track off projects in the jungle uh, called Heavy Metal Rules. What do you think about heavy metal rules? I think that's very much a song of its time. The glam slash hair metal slash arena metal of like the mid eighties that could easily have been something that rat had written or kicks or winger warrant or whoever you want to say of that time. It fits right in. It does. And I really, really love the line. Me and the boys are hot rocking tonight. (laughs) I think tonight we're going to rock you tonight. We're going to rock you. 
I think that what we're missing in today's era of metal is uh, there's a lack of boys hot rocking. <laughs> Dudes just aren't rocking like they used to. They're not. It's true. Uh, so let's let's flash forward to the last record that Pantera put out. Uh, one of the singles from that called Goddamn Electric. Uh, you've heard this song before, right? Yeah, I've heard it before. It's like I said before, it's headbutting metal. Yeah. Uh, this is from reinventing the steel, which is by far the shittiest record this band put ever put out. Uh, I don't really care for this song either, but, uh, I will suggest to you that lyrically heavy metal rules and goddamn electric are the same exact song. Now, the presentation is a little bit different, uh, the, but the enthusiasm is there. Heavy Metal Rules is about a group of young men who love hot rockin'. Uh, that's all they want to do is uh, listen to heavy metal. And Goddamn Electric is the exact same thing. It's just feels a little bit more racist, I would say. I feel like with Heavy Metal Rules, it's a fun time. Like, we're going to have fun tonight. And Goddamn Electric is, I am a stunted man, baby, and I will fight anyone in this parking lot. I am three weeks away from getting divorce papers. Let's fucking go. Uh, Yes. Uh, Heavy Metal Rules is the sound of youth enjoying heavy metal. Goddamn Electric is the sound of a middle-aged man realizing he fucked up his life. (laughs) I install car seats. Do you think I won't fuck you up? (laughs) God, we love the mushroom head throwback. <laughs> uh, but that's that's all well and good. Let let's move on a bit. Where do you where do you think we ought to uh, to bring the the travels of heavy metal? Here's another fun one we can do that uh, not a lot of people are aware of, and the connection is they toured with Pantera. Typo negative. Typo negative. Now, I was familiar with uh, you know. Typo Negative, I was familiar with Carnivore as well, the band that preceded Typo Negative, but I was not familiar with another band that came even before that. What What, what is that band? That band is called Fallout, and I found them completely by accident just messing around with YouTube, and it popped up in the recommendations with, again, not a lot of people listening to it, and this predates Typo Negative. It predates Carnivore. This band started in the late 70s, like 1979, 1980s, and it sounds very different than both bands. It features Peter Steele on vocals and Josh Silver on keyboards, and it's proto-prog metal, maybe. Like You can still hear Peter Steele's voice in it. It still has that heaviness to it, but it's heavily synth keyboard-sounding. And I think it's kind of neat. It's fun to listen to because you hear the early beginnings of the band, but still very, very different from what we all know. This is an imperfect analogy. I apologize. But I I like to think of this kind of as a combination of like Black Sabbath and Devo. (laughs) Uh, It's it's interesting for sure. You definitely have that early 80s, late 70s Black Sabbath vibe to it. Um, and another fun thing about this is it's it really is an early demo, so you can hear the imperfections in it. Like you hear when Peter Steele is pitchy 
or off key a little bit. But back then it was like we only paid for two hours of studio time. You did it once. That's good enough. We got to move on to the next song. Yep. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of one of these Fallout songs. This is uh, Batteries Not Included. Now, I got to say, opening this song with We Have Created the Ultimate Computer is such a fucking classic move. That's such a staggering display of lyricism. I love it. (laughs) Now, I think uh, the demo had a couple of songs on it. I don't think all of them are on YouTube. There's another good one called Rock Hard that's probably a little bit more closer to Carnivore and Typo Negative, so people can check that out as well, but... Just a fun, weird thing that I like to bring up to people because not a lot of people know about it. So, I mean, we can kind of compare and contrast like this very, very early, very, very young uh, Peter Steele uh, with uh, Fallout to here. I think maybe one of the last singles that Typo put out, uh, Prophet of Doom. Worship the I think with uh, Prophet of Doom specifically, like you have the hallmarks that are there, the uh, the uh, you know baritone wailing of Peter Steele, um, and the incredibly glitchy guitar sounds. <laughs> Prophet of Doom. Uh, so I mean that that definitely sounds like somebody going on a journey that spans roughly thirty or so years. What do you think? Yeah, and at this time with this last album. Uh, I think Peter Steele had either became Christian or had like started to go in that direction because I think during this time his mother passed away and was dealing with all that sort of thing. And we'll never know where that would have led if it made any sort of difference. But you could even hear it in some of the songs, uh, a little less early typo negative, a little less dark, a little, I don't know, maybe introspective, perhaps even a little bit hopeful. You know, you can kind of imagine a universe in which Peter Steele is signed to Rottweiler Records right now. <laughs> what could have been? Where do, you, where do you think we could go now? Let's go back into your realm of music for a little bit. And this is something we talked about many, many episodes ago. But it's uh, an interesting experiment or look in changing, having your sound changing it for one album and then changing it <laughs> right back because people were so upset about it. <laughs> I don't know what we why we talked about this on a previous episode, but it bears repeating cuz it's so much fun for me. Bad Religion. Do you guys uh, know Bad Religion? Of course you do. They have 40 records that all sound the exact same except for this one. <laughs> and those 40 other records are great. <laughs> Uh, with this one particular, I believe this was their second record. Um, yes. Out in this was this would have been I think maybe 1982, 1983 off the top of my head. They decided to go from uh, 
forebears of punk to become a prog rock band. And when I say prog rock band, I don't mean a punk band that sounds like a prog rock band. I mean, these motherfuckers wanted to sound like yes. <laughs> yeah, the prog rock new wave trying to be catchy and hip to whatever was going on at the time, and it did not work out for them. No, it seemed to make a lot of people mad uh, in in their scene at the time. Uh, This record was called Into the Unknown, and uh, it did so poorly that their next record was called Back to the Known. (laughs) And then after that, they wrote a bunch of the songs that they're most famous for, American Jesus, things like that, so... It was the right move to go back. They didn't like try to force and be like, no, this is what we do now. This is what we believe in. They went, oh, my bad. Sorry, folks. Well, I think about this sometime, like, you know, I, imagining that the Bad Religion Boys for the last 30, 40 years have just been, you know, gritting their teeth and playing these punk rock tunes when all they really want to do is get out their Rick Wakeman, you know? They want those shitty little keyboards going, singing about, like, going into space. Taking their Trans Am into space. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you know, they only pretend to be punks. They, they really just, you know, they want to be, they want to be prog rockers at heart. I think at this point, they're all old men and they're just happy to play the hits and then like do solo acoustic sort of countryish songs on their own and just be happy to make music that way. Yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, for it's what could have been had they stood their ground, you know. Uh, well, I guess probably not much. I don't think they would have really made a, a mark in that in that world. But, you know, there, it could have been another world where like they were the next Genesis. We'll have to dream. Uh, moving on a little bit, what what else do you think we got? Do you want to talk about bands that have had massive changes and don't look like they're ever going to go back to what they used to do? I do, actually. What do you have in mind? Here's a fun one that we covered on the website many years ago. A Ukrainian black metal band named Smargal. Smargle. Now, I I think I remember this one pretty well because uh, they started off uh, kind of a generic uh, black and death metal kind of thing. Uh, it's your your typical black metal from Eastern Europe. You you never need to listen to a single note, but you know what it's going to sound like. It's the your typical anti god blasphemous black metal. Right. So. They changed it up a little bit. Uh, where, where, where did they get to? What what sound what sound did they explore after? Pop is I think is the easiest way to describe it. It's like Eastern European Russian dance music, but while still wearing their corpse paint and inverted pentagrams and goat's head leather clothing. It's very odd and funny and. I can understand making the change. You don't want to do it anymore, but you're keeping the name. You're keeping your image. You're still showing up in videos wearing that stuff, but surrounded by sexy women dancing. And you now have like a new vocalist talking about like how you want to dance the night away. Yeah. uh, This record that they made the change on uh, 2012's Satanic Pop Metal. Uh, The album art for this is notable in that it's a woman's ass 
but she's also wearing a bullet belt above her like fishnet hose, and uh, she has she's given the the horns uh, with her hands uh, right next to her ass. Uh, this this uh, record includes uh, songs such as uh, God is not love, I hate you, uh, anti I am, and suck my dick. Hmm. So do we want to just to give people an idea of the changes with these bands? Just want to run through some of their discography. Yeah, let's let's do that. Uh, I mean, so we when we were talking about uh, you know the old sound here. Uh, we were listening to Renunciation of God from their album Attack on God, which, I mean, okay. <laughs> that's just, that's redu- redundion of God right there. Yeah. You're just being redundant at that point. This record came out in 2005, uh, which is, you know, just kind of like in a middle ground. You're too late to be, you know, on the forefront of anything. Uh, you're you're way behind the next like revitalization wave, so you're just kind of in the middle ground that's not working. So it makes sense, you know, that th- this would not pan out for them as it is. Yeah, this is Demu Borgir on Ozfest time. Yep. Uh, the next record they put out, Satano Genesis, which I was always uh, more of a Nintendo guy, but you know, I heard that I was going to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Manifest uh, was the next one uh, with songs such as uh, Holocaust, 66.6%. The next album, Ordo Belictum Satanus, uh, with songs such as uh, Credo Belictum Satanus, Credo Revolution, Credo Satanic, Credo Total Krieg, etc., 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 uh, it was around this time, so we had a period of five years from Attack on God to Ordo Belictum Satanus, that they were like, this is not working. So, they made some changes. <laughs> uh, satanic pop metal is uh, is truly something else. Um, this, this song in particular, let's listen to Disco Love right now. I give you all my Now you you had done some digging here, Jordan. What else what else did you find? So yeah, after they did this disco love stuff, they've been that's pretty much what they've been doing, uh, putting out albums and singles like Killer Dance, New Era, but they're still putting out new new singles. It doesn't look like they put out an album since 2020, but they put out a whole bunch of singles, including Bitcoin. Huh. I mean, I love cyberpunk. Uh huh. I see. And then, and then we have a newer song that came out last year, at least, Kali Yuga. I mean, if you think the difference between black metal to the disco pop thing was big, this one it doesn't even sound like a band, to be honest. It's trying to, I guess, ape on Indian, southeastern Asian sounds. Yeah, I mean, 
this is uh, maybe a problematic belief that I have, but like I truly believe that uh, when a band is completely out of ideas, they go to trying to figure out some kind of Eastern sound. <laughs> like the Beatles. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't even know what to make of this. Uh, it's It sounds like uh, the soundtrack to a movie that is probably kind of racist. Um, we get, we got to check out some of these other tracks though. Like I'm interested in, I love, uh, sorry. Uh, I'm interested in travel to Greenland and scary movie. <laughs> it's a very odd trajectory of this band. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know what to make of, uh, of these guys. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess things are just different in Ukraine. Let's, let's visit a band that, uh, that you and I have talked about a couple of times on this show, I think never in any way uh, complimentary. Uh, Avatar, do you know Avatar? I do know Avatar. I have seen Avatar and talked about seeing them a few years ago. They are pretty popular now. I will give them all the credit in the world. They have managed to carve out their own little success for what they do. I don't like the gimmick. Uh, this like carnival clownish deal i say that as someone who is mutuals with the lead vocalist wife on twitter um wish him all the best of luck but i don't want to listen to it but uh prior to becoming this ladies and gentlemen boys and girls type metal they were like a third or fourth generation gothenburg sound melodic death metal band yeah uh see we have uh this this old track from them, My Shining Star. This was 2006, like, wasn't it? Yeah, 2006. So again, you kind of, they missed the In Flame, Soil Work, Dark Tranquility, uh, popularity of like the late 90s early 2000s and then came out with this and like i like the song i think it's good if kind of mid for that era like a lot of that stuff had been done but you can kind of see what they were capable of and they do still have a little bit of that sound in their music like they're still capable guitar players and the music does get heavy there is heavier vocals to it but they made the switch to whatever you want to call it now. And with the gimmick involved, it's led to success for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I guess for some reason there are, uh, there are, there's a subsection of population that can't get enough of spooky clowns and carnival shit. Uh, but you know, that's fine. That's, you know, whatever. But, but the addition of like the old timey stuff, I can't, I cannot abide by it. So let's listen into, uh, the Eagle has landed, uh, one of their newer tracks to hear what we're talking about here. It actually has ladies and gentlemen in the fucking chorus. Yeah, that's where the heat comes from me. It's just, yeah. And also when I saw them live, he was saying lines from Batman, like Joker lines. And what? It was just very, I wanted to die. Oh man. Like he was like, was he pretending to be like Heath Ledger in the Batman? 
Yes. I think I would like I can feel my skin crawling and I wasn't even present for that. That's that's rough. And I was audibly laughing when he was doing it. Like I couldn't help myself. Oh boy, that's rough. Uh okay. How about this? Uh, let's move on to something that instead of a, what, what I would say is incredibly distasteful, something I find mega tasteful. Sentenced. Do you know sentenced? I do know sentenced. Uh, your century media metal bands of the early 2000s is probably when they had their most popularity. And uh, what they used to do is pretty different. But I, a lot of the bands we'll talk about next kind of went along the same track of you started out in the early 90s either doing death metal or black metal. And at the time, it was different and interesting. Looking back on it now, it's, I guess, pretty generic. But at the time, it was new. And the bands have kept going, and their sounds have become lighter or mellower or more introspective and creative. So looking back at like what Sin- Sentence put out in their early days is very different from what they later became known for. And uh, here's one of their earlier ones, Shadows of the Path. Yeah, this, it whips ass, dude. Like, this is absolutely platonic ideal of slow death metal in my mind. Uh, I I love this kind of shit. This, this is catnip to me. So, thinking about this, you know, listening to it, enjoying it, and then revisiting them where I, I I'm I'm one of those weirdos that only knows these old records because I spent so much time around the weirdos on the toilet of hell. <laughs> so I had for example I had never heard a track like Blood and Tears that came much much later. And this is so this is so good to me as well. <laughs> and this is like really what they're better known for because uh, it came out about towards the end of their career. They put one more album out after this called The Funeral Album. And a lot of it is sad. Yeah, I want to die. Let me die. Please let me die. Music, which appeals more to me than their earlier stuff. And later on, they, uh, I think the vocalist and maybe another member were in a band called Poison Black which is somewhat similar to like what they were doing at the end here. And I, I don't know if they'll ever really get back together and do stuff, but I've always appreciated that they're like, yeah, this is the final album. That's why it's called the funeral. <laughs> we are done. This is it. It's kind of appropriate. Yeah. Um, this one, this one's a good find for me. Like I, I've, for so many of these bands, I have just no interest in checking out the later material. This one, I gotta, I gotta spend some time now uh, in listening to uh, the the last couple of sentence records. Uh, so I would say, a great, great suggestion on that one. 
Uh, are there any uh, similar bands that you would maybe want to discuss? On a similar track, you could include Amorphous, where they started out as a black metal band and have really changed. Partially a different vocalist, but in their like last chunk of albums, it's lots of clean vocals. They do have harsh vocals still in it, but sort of the melodic progressive death metal, I guess, is the best way to describe it. But yeah. Way different from when they started. For sure. Let's 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 go ahead and do the uh, Pepsi challenge, though. Uh, why don't we start out with the Karelian Isthmus? Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, what do you, what do you make of the uh, the Karelian is is this is this a mess there? Is this and this be my lucky day? Um, <laughs> it, it's similar to a sentence. It's the early '90s, mid '90s sort of sound that they had, which at the time was new and different. And looking back on it again, it's like, yeah, it's okay, if that's your thing. But again, I also much prefer the newer stuff, the more melodic, more creative sort of thing. So. Uh, just one of the more recent songs that we could give people to listen to is Brother and Sister. Let's give it a shot. Brother and Sister right now from Amorphous. When the leaned into those tinkly little synthesizers they need their ear candy you know some people they they buy one keyboard and it's the end of their life man this is <laughs> i got i gotta fuck with this thing until i die now <laughs> i guess once you started young and using cruddy equipment and cheap studios now that you can afford it and do all the fancy stuff you want just like yeah go ahead just do it on, on the computer i don't care it's done <laughs> it sounds good um let's uh let's try another band that started out in ye olden days and uh and has really made their changes throughout the years how about paradise lost yeah paradise lost is such an interesting band to like look back on uh maybe eight years ago they released for free uh like best of 10 or 12 track album and at the time, like I downloaded it and burnt it to a CD that I still have. And it really does capture just how different they've sounded because in the very beginning, they were a death metal band. Yeah. Um, and for like the, the year of, what was it, 1990 when they put out their first record? I think that's yeah, somewhere right. around there. That's pretty, yeah. It's pretty solid death metal, to be honest with you. And it's uh, this song in particular that will play Lost Paradise always sticks in my head because he very clearly yells, where is your God now? And then it's just cruddy on your uh, thighs, double bass pedal. <laughs>
I will be sure to clip that part specifically. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, again, a band that has been around since 1990, uh, pretty much unchanged except for, I think, the drummer, uh, all the same members. Uh, they, they've done a lot of different sounds here. What, what's the next one that you want to explore? Yeah. Well, after they kind of did the death metal thing, they got into like in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, like goth rock, I guess is the best way. Like very nineties still, but like they traded in their death metal clothes for button up shirts and, uh, you know, nice slacks. And uh, people can hear it on the song that we'll play now, Mouth. There's melody and there's choruses, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that they like could have played a show with Bush around this time. I, I was gonna say this is this is in the realm of Bush. This is not too far removed from say a Matchbox Twenty of the era. <laughs> well, this is they're still mid '90s British rock band, so a lot of like other bands from that era where they kind of explored some of the goth sounds and industrial and electronic stuff that were all kind of mushed together. They did that as well. And not to like big extremes, but at least an extreme from what they used to sound like. Yeah, it is, it is very, I don't know. It is very funny. I had to look it up, uh, you know, just comment from the band on this era. Cause it's so, such a wild departure. Uh, it says that uh, both uh, Gregor McIntosh and Nick Holmes have expressed ambivalence about this period of the band, citing personal problems at the time. <laughs> so what, like divorce? It sounds very divorced to me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, because uh, they've been around ever since and they've continually changed, uh, you have something else you can listen to here with uh, with honesty and death. You want to give a descriptor of this one? Yeah, once again, the band has changed. And this is, I guess, more of a more subtle change than going from Lost Paradise to Mouth. But in Honesty and Death, it's more mournful, maybe closer to Doom or like light Doom metal. Real bummer stuff, but still in their, like, I guess, modern wheelhouse. And you get three different songs. You could argue all three of them are good, depending on how you feel about them. But interesting to see how a band has evolved, keeping a lot of the same members, keeping the same name the whole time, and finding success all three different ways. Pretty, pretty wild tra- trajectory. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff, I would say. Why don't we try one that actually is not that crazy? I mean, I, I know that that, I guess, would go against what we're trying to do here, but I think it's interesting regardless. Uh, one of my favorite uh, long-running bands, Baroness. Do you like Baroness? Yes, I like Baroness very much. I've interviewed them. They get a pass for life because I've been on their tour bus talking to them with Breno, and I've met John a few times, had some good discussions with him, 
and enjoy the music. You uh, you pulled up their demo from 2003, Tower Falls. never actually heard this one before and i gotta say that it is striking hearing this hearing how um you know the riffs are put together and realizing that it is not too wildly different from what kind of what the band employs now still they still lean on some of these tricks when they're writing you know songs that are definitely a lot more melodic a lot prettier than what they used to be doing here yeah, when we were gathering up bands for this episode, we had reached out to other people, hey, give me some suggestions. And Baroness came up a few different times in a few different places, and I kind of felt like, I guess, I mean, yes, but no. Like, obviously on this, when their first couple of demos, which were called, like, first, second, I think there might have been a third, and the Grace Eye, uh, something, Husk, something along that lines, um... More of a sludge band, more heavier. I think prior to Baroness, John was in a punk band. I think like Johnny Welfare and the Paychecks or something <laughs> like that. So it's you kind of hear that still wanting to be a little bit faster and a little bit heavier, a little bit more aggressive. And yeah, over the years, they've changed. But like you could still hear that in Red Album. You can still hear that even today. But I think more people are accustomed to some of the lighter prettier songs that they have but like that style of play and that progression and even that tone a little bit is is still there yeah yeah for sure if anything like the major changes are giving songs a lot more room to breathe uh via dynamics and uh what sounds like very very expensive equipment (laughs) and they're at the point where it's like i don't need to yell anymore let me sing um, so I know that uh, Modern Baroness has its detractors, to which I say to you people, I don't understand you at all. What exactly do you want from these guys? <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I enjoy them. You know, they're one of those bands where you, you hear they're going to put out a new album and you go, oh, I can't wait to hear it. It's not, well, what is it going to sound like? Or, ugh, more the same. This is like, no, this this will sound nice. I am confident in their skills and their abilities. Yeah, I, I, I know that I'm going to listen to this record and at least two or three songs I'm gonna are really going to stick with me and I'll enjoy for the rest of my life. That, oh, that's <laughs> awful. What a terrible band. <laughs> oh, no, good things I like? Fuck. <laughs> all right, but that's all the positive, positivity we need right now, I would say. Uh, where, where do you want to go next? <laughs> We can stay uh, somewhat in the same vein with a band that uh, came out a few years before them, but have gone on to somewhat of a similar trajectory, Mastodon. Now, Mastodon, again, uh, the the Georgia sludge explosion, as as they said it was back in the day. Uh, I had never heard uh, this this demo that you put together. Um, This is, um, let's see, uh, whoops, I opened the wrong fucking link. Sorry, one second. 
Shadows That Move uh, off of their first demo with, uh, they had a different vocalist, uh, Eric Saner at the time. That's right. They had a vocalist before the Mastodon that you know now. They had someone else doing vocals. And uh, if you watch their first DVD, you could actually see like very early handheld camera footage of him doing vocals for them. Uh, I, what I love so much about YouTube, and I talk about this all the time on the show, uh, is that the comments on YouTube are so good, and The Orchard is a fucking villain for removing them from all of the videos that they falsely lay claim to. Because otherwise, how would I know that James Walters here says, Eric Saner is now my tattoo artist? <laughs> I always love comments like that. Like, yeah, the vocalist is the principal of my high school now. Oh, it's so good. It, it, like, uh, on the Howard Wolkin is bald EP, <laughs> like, there's a kid that said that Howard Wolkin was like his English teacher in the eighth grade. <laughs> And it's just those little pieces of history that you'd never get on a Wikipedia. You would only know it like word of mouth from someone and that stuff gets lost eventually because uh, who's asking about the original vocalist from Mastodon all that much? Like you have to rely on a website like doing digging and actually trying to find him or you have a comment for someone's like, yeah, it's it's Eric. <laughs> he does my tattoos. I saw him last week. Yeah, and every time that the Orchard falsely lays claim of ownership on a video and then disables all the comments, including the comment history, like, I want to fucking, like, commit a Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> it's like a burning of the Great Library. You're losing everything. It really feels that way. I mean, I, I know that it seems, like, uh, a little emotional here, but I think it's great that, you know... Uh, allowing people to share their connection with music and with people, I think that it's a crime to remove that, to be honest with you. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's let's listen to this original Mastodon. With Mastodon, it's a little bit different simply because they have gone so many different directions over their career and they haven't really stayed in one, any one spot for too long. Yeah, it's like I love Leviathan and Remission. Like I think those are just great sludgy metal albums, just interesting what they were doing and it sounds good. And they started to slowly change and I just ended up losing a lot of interest. Um and when it comes to like changing their sound, they've kind of after the success of those albums, they're like, well, we want to make this our career. So we're going to start having more clean vocals now. We're going to start having uh, Braun, the drummer, do some cleans. Mm -hmm. And it's gotten proggier and kind of weaving in and out of like what works, what doesn't. 
And then, like, maybe on, like, their last sort of batch of songs, it kind of didn't go fully back to the sound that I like, but it was, like, more of an acceptable sound to me. (laughs) It was more of the, if they come to town, I won't be disgusted by it and just being mad that they're not playing the old stuff. Now it's like, well, there's a chance. I'll give them a chance. It's almost like Opeth, which is another one we could have easily brought up on this one. Now they started out with their death metal, almost black metal sound in the very early days to just death metal to more progressive to like dad rock. See, and then the last, guess, the last I, album. I uh, guess that's the re- the one we didn't really want to talk about on the show simply because everybody has an opinion on Opeth. <laughs> and for me, it's just such a bummer because I don't want to listen to any of the new stuff. And I really, I mean, love Damnation, Deliverance, My Arms, Your Hearse, all that stuff. And they just went through this patch of like 15 years where they're really laying on the uh, organ keyboards and just meandering guitar stuff. And like on their last album, wasn't bad. It was a better step in the direction, kind of similar with Mastodon. But it's just like, ugh, just please go back to what you were doing or at least do more tours where you're playing those albums in full so I can enjoy them. Well, with Mastodon, listening to Shadows That Move, like the very early demo, uh, to something as modern as Pain With An Anchor, the one thing that stands through to me is that Braun is an absolutely fucking insane drummer. (laughs) Great drummer, struggles live doing vocals. There's the well-known video of them on um, The Tonight Show where he's trying to sing and was not doing it. You could blame it on the studio. You could blame it on the equipment, but great drummer. And he has worked on his vocals since then. So perhaps it's better now. Perhaps. Um, There's one that I think is also very, very well known for like uh, a huge departure in style. Uh, And I got some pushback online when I suggested that it was very much for the best that they made this change. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Ulver. You like Ulver? Uh, there's so much to listen to with Ulver. It's, uh, it's hard to decide. <laughs> what you want to listen to, when you want to listen to. And I mean, my introduction to them was like their first couple of albums. And I, I like Bergtot. I like their kind of folk, whatever language they were singing in version of black metal. I have a very specific memory of driving around New Jersey at like two in the morning, listening to this album when like no cars were on the road. It was just a very specific memory that fit well with this. And since then, they've, like, even albums after that, like uh, Madrigal, Madrigal, Matins, Ramalama Ding Dong. That one's, like, <laughs> that one's, like, hurts your ears, black metal. Yeah. Just everything cranked to 11. And then, you know, the stories of recording in the woods and blowing all of Century Media's money on suits. And just now they're, I don't even know how you'd describe them, atmospheric whatever i would i mean i would call it like experimental synth pop <laughs> yeah experimental synth pop works just really leaning into keyboards and making sound shapes and you know i think a triangle sounds like this 
And I think that wasn't their most recent album, like an instrumental Halloween album. Yes. Yes, it was actually. Uh, because it's, I mean, our man is just kind of, he does what he feels like. And I think that's actually great. Um, I mean, I love, I really like Bergtot. I think that's a great record, but for my money, I would rather any day of the week, rather listen to bring out your dead. Just because, man, I got to tell you, that shit jams me. It jams me super hard. Yeah, I mean, you like what you like. There's so, like I said, there's so much to listen to that you really have your choice of let's listen to this album, let's listen to this, uh, whatever, whenever the mood strikes you. That's true. So um, lots of people uh, super salty that uh, over uh, since, you know, the 30 years that have passed since Bergtog no longer make that music. I am not one of those. I think that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, how about another band that uh, really is kind of known uh, for moving in style a little bit, uh, and I would say in the process kind of inventing a few different uh, genres of metal? <laughs> uh, how Who would that be? Carcass. Yeah, started out as a grind band and is now like, I guess their own sound, their own version of death metal the carcass sound that a lot of bands to this day still ape. So yeah, carcass starting out as a basically grindcore band, inventing gore grind as mm-hmm. it were, inventing mellow death <laughs> and eventually like coming back around and just having their own distinct sound. Um, like let's, let's listen to some of the very, very early stuff. Uh, you, you pulled up flesh ripping sonic torment. <laughs> So this is their 1987 demo. So this is even before you start getting the elements of gore in there as well. Uh, and it's 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 interesting, like, you know, knowing what we know of Carcass now, like where they started and how they ended up where they are. And you could also see the influence on Napalm Death from this. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so I wanted to because, you know, there are lots of different eras of carcass you could go to um i mean you could uh you could, you could talk about your gorgon stuff you could talk about the the more uh the the reformed carcass sound uh the melodeth stuff like what i wanted to talk about specifically uh was the sound on swan song and the track keep on rotting in the free world Keep on riding, keep on riding. And that this is like, let's take these early days and let's put some, let's put some rock and roll stank on it, man. Like, 
how can you not like this? That's my question. There's a groove to it. There is. Like, kind of kind of shaking my hips, tapping my feet on this one. It's, uh, I, th- I think that from a band that started off as basically anti-music to to getting to this, it's an incredible achievement. <laughs> See, I think we need to make the Total Hell booty short so we can get you twerking to keep on riding in the free world. I think, you know, if that helps us uh, move these units, yes, I will do that. <laughs> it's Joe's luscious ass shaking to keep on riding. <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite era of Carcass? My preference is Heartwork. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's that for a lot of people, probably that's their introduction to the band. And that's for me. And I think that's like start to finish, probably their best album, like all bangers. And um, yeah, I think that's my one to go to either with like Heartwork or Carnal Forge or No Love Lost. With... Um it's so funny. I've been on the internet for so long. It used to be the common opinion among uh, internet metal nerds was that Heartwork was, you know, the album that ruined everything. <laughs> I, yeah, right. I, I think the consensus now is that actually, no, this is actually super sweet. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people now feel that way about Swan Song. You know what? And they're wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, they are. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you're not going to ever hear me say a negative word about, uh, about these guys. I think, I think they rule, uh, Bill Steer would be my friend. <laughs> People need to go back to our show we did. I think it was last year where we looked up the side projects, the lesser known side projects of other bands and they need to revisit, uh, <laughs> Jeff Walker <laughs> or whoever else doing welcome to carcass country. Oh yeah. I guess I did say some negative things about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh well, we're uh, they can't all be winners, I guess. Um, how about we we close this uh, with one that was was brand new to me actually. You uncovered Gojira's original demo from when they were like 15, 16 years old, and I had never heard this before. This was when they were known as Godzilla. <laughs> uh, what what do you think about this one, man? I. Surprisingly heavier, um, pr- probably more straightforward death metal uh, than what I was expe- uh, expecting. Uh, they could easily redo this and put it out now, maybe even under a different name secretly, and I think people would be super into it. I love this. I am so, so impressed with this demo. Like, uh, I, I had never heard it before. I was severely jamming on it, and like... Their drummer, again, being a teenager, just fucking killing it on this. I, I, I could not believe it. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend, we'll play a little bit right here, but I'd recommend everybody listen to Godzilla's Possessed, uh, the uh, precursor to, to Gojira. You know, this this band's been together for a long time. They've gone through some some changes. Uh, they really hit a breakthrough with you know flying whales here. Uh, yeah, they discovered pick scrapes in this time. Yeah, and then they've gone some directions that I don't really care for at all. <laughs> yeah, they tried to go a little bit more mainstream on their like 2016 album. Yeah. 
I think more recently they maybe went a little bit heavier, but have also kind of gotten interesting in different directions. I'll give them that. So the the most recent thing that we've got here, I had not heard this until you put it in our spreadsheet, came out two years ago, a track called The Chant. What do you know about the chant? Was this like inspired by or influenced by Tibet? Yes, I think that's that's the case here because the video itself is, uh, I think, filmed in Tibet. Which, I, if you're old enough like we are, you remember all the free Tibet concerts that they used to have in the 90s. And there was Seven Years in Tibet, the movie, oh, Kundun, yeah. all oh. of these push to free Tibet from Chinese oppressive rule, and then everyone forgot about it. We done forgot about the Tibet. I honestly, I didn't think about Tibet for a very long time until I saw that weird video of the Dalai Lama. <laughs> mm. I mean, I know about it because just growing up, my family, my parents were interested in Tibetan Buddhism. So this was just me growing up. I know all about this stuff. I I have Tibetan prayer wheels and artifacts, a Tibetan prayer table, uh, my dog was a Tibetan Spaniel, so I know all this stuff. I'm I'm aware of it, so that's why when people like never bring it up or they want to talk about like another oppressive regime somewhere in the world, I just want to, I'm like that LeBron meme where he's like angrily pointing at his teammate for not calling a timeout a few years ago <laughs> in the playoffs. That's me pointing to Tibet. Um, I, I got to tell you, I despite growing up in that era where I was supposed to be aware of Tibet. I didn't, I didn't learn a fucking thing about Tibet. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I was, well, now's your chance. Yeah. Uh, with the help of Gojira here, um, I got to say, I, this music uh, for this, despite maybe their intentions with it, I find it very, very bad. Uh, but I don't have an appreciation for Tibetan culture. What do you, what do you think about this music? Uh, I appreciate the effort. Um, Music-wise, eh. Uh, it it kind of gets to that, like, thing that I was getting at early with Samargol, like when you're fully out of ideas, <laughs> it, it kind of feels like they're trying to pull a U2 with this and it doesn't seem to be, it's not working for me. Maybe it's working for them. I guess we'll see. Uh, but again, uh, just useful, I think to listen to those comparisons from their teenage years to where we are now. I guess those guys are probably pushing 50 now, right? 40s. 40s, probably. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they're French, so that's like uh, at least in the 50s. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the way that they're chain smoking unfiltered cigarettes, like, surprised they made it this far. Having six months off from their job, <laughs> fighting the cops because they're raising the age of retirement two years. <laughs> it's harder to afford wine for your children. Uh, what do you think? Uh, are there. Any other bands you wanted to explore on this one, or maybe we can just let this be a very jam-packed episode? The only other two I wanted to bring up, um, which were bigger shifts, was My Dying Bride, 
where they also, much like Sentenced or Paradise Lost, started off as a death metal band to like where now they're still going strong, but much more mournful, sad, depressive, introspective music. Uh, if you wanted to look it up, you can... The early demos of like a song called Vast Choirs is a good example of what they used to sound like and more modern stuff. You can go with uh, Cabaret Macabre or uh, My Father Left Forever just to kind of get a sound of like where they are now and their heavy usage of violin and just being <laughs> sad boys drinking their wine when it's raining outside. You have to do it sometimes. You got to uh, be introspective. And uh, the other one, which I-, I thought was interesting and kind of fun, was Overkill. You know Overkill. I do. Uh, I had never heard uh, this original demo that you sent over uh, until until you sent it. Uh, this is uh, Power in Black uh, with uh, with old rat skates on the drums. And if you really want to look into it, you can just do a Google image search of Overkill early band photos. And you can see how they used to dress up with capes and black lipstick and eyeliner. Very different from the overkill that would be better known just a few years later. Uh, Again, I think they should have kept that look, to be honest with you. They should bring it back. Bands, have some guts and just be like, we've been around for 40 years. Let's have fun on this one tour. Let's play this album or at least play a couple songs for a bonus or an encore and throw on the capes and the Dracula cheap paint that you get at the supermarket. Yeah, you hear me, Tom G. Warrior? So um, I think that uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but for now, we should probably call it we are well over time on this one and I got a huge editing job in front of me. I will say, if you enjoyed this episode, what you can do for us is you can tell a friend Share it with a friend that might enjoy this. Uh, that is the best way to help us out. The second best way, what do you what do you think that is, Jordan? Uh, the best way is to obviously continue listening to the show. Tell your friends. You can also listen to it on, let's see, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, the website, anywhere that you get your podcasting needs. Talk about it on social media. Link to it. Uh, the more people talk about it, the more people will see it the way that social media works now, unfortunately. So anything helps. You could also send us an email, toiletofhell at gmail.com or toiletofhellradio at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Our Twitters are at Joe Thresh and Kale, at 365 Days of Horror. And our DMs are open, so feel free to talk to us. Send us uh, messages. I like it when people do that. Uh, And again, if you really like us, if you really, really like us, give us money over at Patreon.com where you can get more episodes and additional bonus features, including playlists that I lovingly make for you every month. I think that's it for us, Jordan. For you guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. You're listening to 66.6 FM. Radio Radio. TOVH, The Flush.